Cross Choke, a TFL Ministries podcast, is brought to you by you. If you want to learn how to support our show, go to patreon.com forward slash TFL Ministries. Welcome to Season 3, Episode 22 of Cross Choke. I am Zach Anderson. I'm also joined, like always, with the whimsical Dakota Wrightan. What is up, Zach? And what is up to all of our listeners? <laughs> so we are recording a little differently today, right? We sure are. You're not actually here. Only in spirit. You're, this, is, you're, this is the voice in my head that I interpret as you. <laughs> you know how everybody has like that self-talk voice? Yeah. My self-talk is you. Mine's often more deeper and a lot more harsh hey, than my normal pick person. pick up your feet, boy. <laughs> like Kratos? <laughs> yeah, boy. You never played God of War, did you? No, just wait for that PS5 to come out. You know I'll be playing it now. Right, it's, the, it's part of the instant game collection. Heck yeah. Speaking of uh, PlayStation, we actually have a couple submissions of the week that we'll get to shortly, but... Um, we are recording over Zoom right now because you have COVID. I <laughs> actually no, you don't. <laughs> I was tested for COVID, and the test results came back negative. And your quarantine is lifted, but we weren't able to make our schedules work together <laughs> <laughs> to where we could actually sit face to face. The iron, the irony out of that is really funny. But if I have to get quarantined, or you have to get quarantined again. Right. We're we'll just do like fifteen podcasts. <laughs> Freak yeah. And we're, we're just <coughs> good to go. But yeah, keep going, man. <coughs> the whole time. I I'm literally calling nine one one while we're on while we're we're recording. Hold I just my had phone. a stroke. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so what else you been up to? You just got over your quarantine. Yeah, so I quarantined for five days. It was only supposed to be three days unless we got results back that we were positive, but there's been a huge influx of cases and tests in Montana and specifically our County, which is one of the highest in Montana right now per capita. So it took a long time for us to get our results back. How was it getting the test? Um, so I don't know. I, I don't know if my body just hates me and I have a weird body, which is definitely true, but for people like Abby that are normal, it was really easy. But for me, when they shoved the little Q-tip in my nose, she stabbed me like 10 times. She's like, I'm not getting it. I think you need to like open your mouth or something. She's like, open your mouth just a little bit. But I didn't hear that part. So I looked like a Sasquatch yawning while she shoved this thing all the way in the back of my throat. It punctures your brain. It, so I've heard results of that happening right before i freaking go and get the test so the whole time i'm freaking out like i'm gonna die this is <laughs> covid's not gonna kill me i'm gonna die from this dumb test you actually sent a video of it to our group chat and i could only watch like half of it because i started to like just get disgusted it was pretty gross uh, it that day i wasn't feeling too well and so i really thought we were gonna end up positive but 
Do you think it was just like a cold or something? Something, yeah. yeah. I had a sore throat for like three or four days and uh, just minor cold-like symptoms. Nothing like COVID, though. At the time of this recording, it is pretty much flu season, right? Like, I mean, we're right on the cusp of hitting flu yeah, season. Truthfully, so maybe you got who knows it out what of the way. that's who knows what that's going to look like this year with all the hand washing and yeah, maybe it'll be better. You never know. Maybe it'll be worse. Uh, well, speaking of worse, my dog has actually had a cone on his head the last couple of days. Uh, he they, hurt had, his they did foot. that to me last week. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sorry. Just shed some humor in this really sad story. Well, no, he's fine. <laughs> well, but, it's just like anytime a dog gets hurt, you just feel so bad. I know. Like, that's that's it, too. So, like, he actually slept on my bed last night, the first time ever. Oh. And um, so it was nice. He, he just can't. He, we just got to keep him supervised. But he hurt his foot. I think he got bit by a dog and ran through a thorn bush. I think it was kind of combined because he has these weird almost bite marks on each side. But then there's also these little scuff marks and... Um, he pulled my mom through a thorn bush, a rose bush, and so she got all scraped up and is still pulling. Uh, Did they make her wear out. a cone? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> but that's been fun. Well, not really. Uh, but we did get that new geese in, which I'm really excited about. We got new um, geese in at the the academy that are all like custom. And um, shout out to our friend Uzman who made them for us. They're super good. So that's, that's been a big cool. positive. But speaking of Uzman. There's been this new, um, like, kind of scam thing on for real estate going on the internet. My boss sent me a forwarded email of it, and uh, it's basically like they say, "Hey, I need someone to help me buy some land and buy a bunch of cows because studies have shown that in my country of Kuwait, everyone loves the American beef more than than what? like what they can serve." And so there's just this huge scam going around. I don't know why that popped in my head. Did you fall for it? No, Ben sent it to me. It was really funny. The guy used the word queer. <laughs> in what context? His final sentence after multiple spelling errors. And every time he used, so the whole thing is undercased. Undercased? That, Lowercase. Right. <laughs> Lowercase. <laughs> the one. Oh my but the one word that's always upper like total caps is kuwait like as if it was to enter a random country here kind of a deal but so the last sentence says i there's you need to trust me in this transaction because there's a lot of queer people out there oh like i guess in that context it would make sense no <laughs> no well like like I don't know anyone in the 21st century that uses that <laughs> word in that context. <laughs> I wonder what he meant to say is what I'm trying to say. Like, I, you could almost see what he's going for. Like, So what we were thinking is like he opened up a thesaurus and was trying to make himself look really smart. And he was like, what's another word for like shady? Or yeah, that's what I mean, like or imposter different. or something. He's like, ooh, us. this word looks really nice. <laughs> Queer. Stop saying it. You are listening to Cross Choke, if you didn't know. Um, you can get early ad-free access over on Patreon.com. Also gain access to exclusive content like Cross Choke Plus and Cross Punch. You can support us there for $3, $5, or $10 a month. And also gain the ability to submit questions, comments, 
and concerns. Last week, Dakota, I recorded our third episode of Crossstroke Plus. Um, I kind of talked about bettering our leadership. And I kind of gave three ways to do that and then also gave a uh, kind of a, a team exercise or personal exercise that you can do um, with you or the team to kind of reevaluate where you are in your leadership health and in kind of some of the areas in which you can improve in. And so um, I kind of had fun doing that. So can you give us one teaser, one of the main points of how to better your leadership? Um, the acronym is SMORE, S-M-O-R, that I kind of talked about. And uh, the first Sounds letter. delicious. Yeah, exactly. You know, campfire. The first thing you do to really have a good meeting and a leadership meeting is have a SMORE, you know. Ah. is the first letter stands for spiritual. And, of course, we overlook that, but it's this idea of brokenness and dependency upon the Lord is where leadership starts. And, you know, there's nothing more important than your relationship with God. And, I mean, that's kind of a given. We talk a lot about that, but that's kind of the first one. And then um, I'll even give a second one. The, the, the M stands for missional. You know, to have a mission of like to answer why. Okay, what's the point? So um, I kind of talk in depth about that. And the next two, you'll have to listen to Crossstroke Plus for. Yeah, that's good. Do you love chicken wings but are tired of the same old mediocre standard of wing sauce? Step up your wing game with Wingredient. From 11 different flavors to choose from, their award-winning wing sauce makes a sure to delight your taste buds. It can be used on everything from wings to sushi, and is customizable to your palate. Order today for your party, at home, or your restaurant. Experience what everyone is raving about. Wingredient.com, award-winning sauce and rub for wings and grub. So, Dakota, what we're going to do right now is I had the honor of interviewing a great friend of mine earlier in the week. So, um, what we're going to do is switch to that audio right now, and then we'll be back uh, with the rest of the show. And so, with that, we're going to switch to that audio right now. Brian Dietz. All right, so today I'm joined by a great friend of mine, Brian Dietz, living in Bozeman, Montana, owner and head instructor of Montana MMA, owner of Montana Grappling, um, the head of Fight Force Fighting, and also the owner of Wingredient and a sponsor of the podcast and probably like several other things that I don't know about in there. But um, Brian, thank you so much for joining me today. Yeah, thanks for having me on. You bet. How you been? Doing good surviving the COVID times and getting, getting the gym back up and going and getting everybody back on the mat a little bit. Yeah, sure. Have, uh, have you guys been kind of struggling with that over there and adapting? Okay. Or yeah, it's been about a month and a half since we've been reopened. Uh, things are going good now and we're, we're on a positive track and just gotta, you know, we have everybody in pods and small groups and Hmm. it's working well. Oh, good, good, good. Yeah. We've had to make some adjustments, um, with our training as well, but we're pretty much back up to running that in Imperial BJJ. And so I'm glad to hear, you know, that things are going well for you just an hour away from us actually down over in Bozeman. So, um, for our listeners who may not be familiar with who you are, um, maybe just tell us a little bit, um, about yourself. Yeah, absolutely. So I started training martial arts, uh, when I was young, uh, around seven years old, I started in traditional martial arts, and worked my way into American style kickboxing from there, um, competed in Wyoming, and then went to school in Montana. Uh, when I was 
in school in 94, um, watched the first UFCs and um, blockbuster video era and um, watched those over and over and realized I hadn't been exposed to a lot of other martial arts, especially the ground fighting and the jiu-jitsu um, through the time in when I was growing up. I mean, there was no internet or access to everything then. You were kind of isolated to what was in your area. And um, so at that time, I kind of took it upon myself uh, to start learning jujitsu and grappling and trying to find other people that were also interested in those topics and slowly found people and trained with wherever I, you know, with whoever I could and would travel and train wherever I could. If I heard there was a seminar in Idaho or Salt Lake, I would try to go and train. And then, yeah, I just started training and teaching and coaching and um, it just all kind of kind of fell together. And, you know, began there and, um, yeah, did that for years. And, uh, you know, in 2006, we did the first fight force fights. Uh, they weren't the first fights in Montana. We had actually, there had been some small shows in Kalispell. We had some guys fight on those and we traveled outside the state a lot to fight. And then, uh, fight force started in Butte. Um, they brought us in to kind of match, make and help with the card. And then, uh, eventually we bought the promotion and, so yeah, I've been been busy since then. Right, you're you're never not busy. I'm always busy. <laughs> been good. Right, right. So, what was your original um, kind of motivation to start training in martial arts? I'm not sure what the original motivation was. Um, like a lot of people could have been just be like, oh, kung fu movies or karate movies on TV, and be right. like, hey, I'm going to do that, and then just trying to get exposed to something that, that looks cool. And I think, uh, inherently like, you know, a lot of people want to learn to defend themselves and feel like, you know, feel empowered. And, uh, you see people doing something cool and you're like, man, I want to do that. I feel like if I could do that, I'd be able to defend myself and that can kind of lead you in that right direction of, of training, especially when you're, when you're a kid, you know, it's different if you're starting training as an adult, you know, some adults are looking for more fitness or they might have specific self-defense reasons. Um, and sometimes when you're a kid, you just want to do something that's cool because it, it looks awesome. And, uh, that's kind of why I got started. Now was coaching something you always wanted to do? Coaching was, I just kind of fell into it. Um, there, there was a point when, you know, jujitsu was new in the area and grappling was new and nobody else would know anything that would come and train with me. So I just had to start coaching. Um, which, you know, in a sense it took away my ability to keep competing, Cause I just ended up like constantly coaching and then all my competition and training and sparring and rolling would be on the mats with the guys, but I'm always trying to get them prepped for what they're doing. Um, so there's a sacrifice there. Um, if you're ending up coaching a lot and, uh, I was always at a point where like, okay, I needed better training partners. I needed people to train with, but often it was newer students and people without experience. So I had to help build them up to get them to where they could be good training partners. And, uh, that, that just took time. So I just kind of fell into it. Um, but I'd always coached. I worked at the YMCA my entire life through my entire life, obviously, but from middle school through high school. And I was coaching little guy sports for a long time. Um, so it was an easy transition for me. Yeah. It's definitely a, a balance that's kind of tough to find, especially as I'm kind of growing into um, instructing, especially with, with kids, you know, it's not as um, strenuous, I would say, you know, because I'm not necessarily responsible for the adults in our Academy, but you do find it is more difficult um, at times trying to balance, you know, your own training and then coaching others. Um, how do you find that balance in your own training and coaching? 
you know, I, I haven't found a balance yet. Um, I coach a lot. So I, I've been trying to get two hours a day where I put towards myself. Um, I try to set up some classes where it would be me being able to train within the class also, but that just didn't happen. Like, I mean, it was an intentionally, uh, you know, the, the initial intent was for me to have classes that I can train with and train with that group as far as like technically train and do drills. But again, it, it just ended up me coaching, you know, there's just too many people that needed help and had questions. Um, so now I have to find like two hours a day, hopefully where I can do my own thing. And that's been working okay. Uh, but it's not the training I would want at the level of somebody, you know, wanting to compete, um, you know, I have to sacrifice towards the coaching side, um, which I still learn and I still get better. Um, I don't get better at the same rate as somebody that's just training and just drilling and being able to do all that. So, and part of that's because of like the COVID times right now. I mean, there's days I teach 10 hours and I just don't have time for myself. So I'm, you know, I'm at the gym a lot um, and I'm, Usually I teach at least three classes a day. Sometimes I'll teach five classes a day, um, plus little group sessions in between. So I'm really trying to find that balance is difficult on top of, as you guys know, like managing the gym and all the, all that other side of that, like how I've got to do the books. I've got to, got to do everything else, you know, and I've got some guys that are helping me out now where he's got to the point where we're able to pay some people for some assistant work on a, on a small end. So that's been going well. Well, that's good. And you know you're you're very giving and very selfless um, as an instructor, and that really pays off. But again, it doesn't quite add up to you being able to train. But there is definitely a reward of seeing people improve. Um, and I know you definitely agree with that. Otherwise, you wouldn't have opened an academy. Um, yeah, yeah, you oh, know, absolutely. So there is a payoff there, but it is definitely tough. And I agree with that. And just was kind of curious of how you you find the balance um, or some sort of balance in that and. Um, and I think as, as instructors, it's, it's difficult to not feel guilty for saving time for yourself. You know, um, it's easy to feel bad for almost being selfish, like, okay, this is my time, but sometimes that time isn't there, you know? So it it is definitely a balance that I'm, I'm finding as well, um, in the middle of that. And so I know you have spent a lot of time um, with, with students over the years and have trained a lot of people, me included, um, you know, competitors and non-competitors. And I wanted to kind of ask you, what are some of the common difficulties that, that students face and some of the things that may, um, kind of hinder them to better their training? Absolutely. So one of the things for, you know, we can look at some different students on different levels. So with new students, uh, a lot of times you have people coming in and they're coming into a sport and maybe they did a sport in high school or maybe they didn't. Um, but either way, they might assume that, man, I'm going to get in here four days a week, five days a week, and I'm going to be in here every day. Um, and I'm going to, I'm going to get good really fast. And they end up not having that amount of time to get in and then they stop or they quit. I think, you know, we need to let students know that consistency, even on a small level, is what's important at the beginning for martial arts. You know, whatever fits into their life, like, you know, even we talked about this with the coaches, like, how do you balance it? So you have to balance your training within your own life. And if like two days a week is what fits for you, then get in consistently for two days a week. So you're still working, you know, um, and, and take your time. This jujitsu is never fast. I mean, it's, it's a long journey and you're always going to be learning. Um, I feel students feel like if they're not getting good right away, that they're just not good at it. 
And it's like, it's not about not being good at it. You know, it's going to take time to learn the skills and to learn the technique and to get better. And that's important, you know, not, not to rush and to be patient and to let it take time. You're, you're going to be better for that. Yeah. You know, that would, that would be one of the first things I'd, I'd look at. Um, Do you think that comes down know, to expectations of the student? Um, potentially, yeah. I, they definitely might have expectations of like, hey, I would need to get in this much. I need to do, you know, I, I need to get in there four days a week or I'm not being successful. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's just built up expectations of from society of like, oh, you know, we see somebody on TV get good right away. And it's like, that's not how it works. Um, you know, so just taking your time is one of the first things I would suggest for like new students and just understanding it's going to, it's going to take a while. And you, you know, there's going to be some guys that are going to come in are going to be naturals, you know, from just, you know, genetics, athletic ability or previous sports they've done. And if that's not you, that's okay. You know, go in, uh, do your, do your piece and get better. Um, and you'll, you'll see the improvements, but you gotta, you have to give it, you know, you have to give it a year. You know, a lot of people see improvements in three weeks. And if they're not better in three weeks, it's like, man, they, they stop, you know, but, but give it some time. Um, so that's, that's one of the things I see, um, you know, and then, you know, on top of that comes just comparing ourselves with others. Like if you spend all your time comparing yourself with what this person can do or what that person can do, um, you're never really working on yourself and you shouldn't compare yourself with anyone. Um, that just you know, demotivate you, uh, makes you unhappy sometimes, especially if you're comparing yourself with people that are always going to be better than you. You know, there's world champions out there in jujitsu that 99% of us are never going to be at that level, but that doesn't mean we stop, right? I compare myself with myself, like, am I getting better? Am, am I learning? And as you get older, you know, you can't compare yourself with where you were at 10 years ago, like physically or health wise or any of that kind of stuff. You know, so just kind of, you know, focus on yourself and focus on being happy in your training and, uh, you know, don't, don't compare with what everybody else is doing. That's good. Yeah, definitely a big, um, area of prevention is that comparing. And I think there is a, a positive side of evaluating other people. You know, how did they get to that 1% of being, uh, you know, that top tier competitor, if that's your goal, you know, you could kind of take away from those things, but yeah, there is a very fine line of starting to compare, um, rather than almost emulate, you know, like, so there's a, there's definitely a positive side of that, but I know I've experienced that of comparing myself and it's easy to kind of get stuck in that loop, you know, um, being down on yourself and seeing other people on the mats excel faster than you too can be a big hindrance. I I've, I've experienced for sure. Yeah. And comparing is tough. I mean, everybody's doing it with social media. You see a photo, and assume that's that that's the person's entire life, and you compare your life to that one image of this person that they post on social media, which is which is dangerous, right? And it gets a lot of people sad and depressed, and they'll be like, "Oh, my life's not like that." And I, like I guarantee you, that person's life isn't like that all the time in that picture. And if you compare yourself to like what somebody's doing on the mat, you don't know what extra time they're putting in or how much other work they're doing. And you're being like, "Man, why are they better than me or doing this?" And it's like, well, maybe they're just putting more time in. You're not seeing, you know. Um, maybe they're genetically gifted. Uh, maybe they wrestled through high school. So like they have a ton of mat time that, that you don't. Mm. Now I know you've had your more than fair share of injuries in the past. Um, you know, that could be another hindrance to growing, um, so to speak. And so can you maybe share a little bit about how you've kind of 
battled um, the injuries that you've had and uh, maybe overcome some of that? Yeah. So one of the things that we have to look at initially is, you know, our ego when we're grappling on the mat and learning to have a good culture. Like we want to have good culture in all of our gyms for safe training. Um, when we're practicing submissions, chokes, um, you know, things along those natures and also having good partners, you know, training new people when they get on the mat, that it's, I believe that being a good partner and having good culture and good interaction is as important as having good technique. I think those are actually equal. Um, you lose a lot of students because they have a bad interaction with a training partner or, uh, or a bad role, right. Or they get smashed yeah. role and the way that their training partner acts after they won isn't good for that other person. Right. So we always have to be thinking of, you know, training hard, training safe, but also having a good attitude and good energy, um, to, to keep our partners wanting to get back on the mat. And that, and that'll relate to injuries by like, Hey, like if I'm rolling, do I give my partner time to tap? Like how far am I cranking this arm, you know, before they need to submit. And on the other side, like how long are you letting your partner crank on your arm before you tap? Uh, we need to understand that rolling and grappling is play, especially in the gym. And if you get caught, you know, we need to let the ego go and just tap out um, and vice versa. Like if you're applying a, applying a submission on somebody like, and especially if it's a joint lock, make sure that you're giving them time to tap. You might lose the submission because of that, but that's okay. You know, you could have cranked it really fast and tried to rip the arm off, but you need to save your training partners some injuries possibly. Mm -hmm. um, having good partners is, is super important to keep the injury rate down and, you know, respecting each other and being able to tap out and letting that ego go. There's a, there's a, there's some people you roll with where you're like, Hey, this guy shouldn't be beating me. And if that guy gets close to a submission on you, you really fight that one. Cause you're like, wait a second, this guy shouldn't be beating me. Why is he beating me today? And those are the ones you'll try to fight out of and can injure yourself with. Um, you know, so letting that ego go to like, say someday somebody might actually catch you that you don't expect, like they're getting better, they're working and you need to just take that as a possibility. You know, when we roll, I, I try to let the guys know, hey, this is play. I should be trying new things and be willing to lose. I could be willing to fail by trying that new technique. A lot of people won't try new things because they're like, oh, if I do that, this guy's going to pass my guard. If I go for the sweep, I'm not good at yet. It's like, you know, you need to go for the sweep and give it a go. And if you don't get it, oh, well, you know, it's play. We're not winning or losing here. It's, it's you know, drilling. It's practice. So that's important. And making sure that, you know, I, I've seen the most injuries um, in, in rolling where guys are just going too hard or somebody, especially when somebody's bigger and, uh, you know, they're stronger and then they crank something too much or they, they expect also expecting a person to tap. Um, and then the person doesn't tap and then they crank on it more. And, uh, it, it's a hard balance. You know, you have to, you have to be cognizant of who you're rolling with. If you're bigger than them, if you're stronger than them, you know, you have to work on keeping them safe to a degree, especially newer students. I mean, there's a point where it's advanced students and higher level guys and they're going hard and everybody at a certain point should be able to take care of themselves on the mat and know better, you would hope. Um, but with new students, we have to like, you know, make sure the ego has gone, make sure they know it's play and make sure that they understand the um, experience that their training partner has that they're working with is just as important, you know that's super important and that their partners are important on the mat. So keeping that training experience good 
um, in the long run is good for the gym. Um, and it'll keep people from getting injured. You know, I don't like rolling with people. I don't know. I, I, I really don't enjoy that because then it's not fun, right? Somebody yeah. new comes in and you roll with them and it seems a little bit hostile sometimes. And you're just like, man, why is that? You know, I have better, more fun roles with my friends because I don't, we, we don't care. Like something right. happens. We're like, good job, man. That was fun. That was a cool move you went for. But when you're overly competitive with somebody that you don't know, like it becomes a different thing, you know, and that's when I, I see injuries happening. Um, warming up correctly is obviously important. You know, I've had some injuries from, uh, you know, just people not even knowing the, how to hold pads or kick shields correctly. And assuming that they did, I've had people come from other schools assuming that, hey, I assume they know how to do a certain thing and then they hold wrong or whatever and then have gotten an injury from that. Um, so like expectations of people and just like always going over the basics, even if you think they know something to, to make sure that you're you're keeping safe. Yeah, that's good. What is your policy at your academy for people who come in to roll? Right now, we don't have anybody coming in. Obviously, because of COVID, sure. uh, I don't like people coming in to just roll. Uh, even my regular students, I think those are people that are just going to prove themselves and test themselves, and they're not good for there for the entirety of the gym. They're there for themselves, um, you know. So, like, people have to show up and be part of the team and be part of class. When people come and visit from out of town, uh, you know, I want to meet them. I want to see them in class and see their attitude and see their energy before I'm going to allow them to come in and roll with my students who have, you know, a safe environment already uh, and, uh, you know, know their partners and, and feel good about it. And we'll get, we've had a mix. We've had some really great guys visit that come in that want to train and want to roll and they've been really good and really good with the students. And then we've had guys that come in that are like, oh yeah, we're going to, I'll be fine. I'm, I'm good with people and blah, blah, blah. And then they just, you know, try to smash people. And it's like, you know, it's, it's a balance. And in the end you have to, you know, protect your students in your gym. And I know that some people, when you, when they come to visit, I'm like hesitant and they're like, ah, oh, why is he so hesitant? You know, I can see it in their eyes. Um, but I've got to keep my students there that are safe. And even guys that would just want to come in and train with the fighters, like, you know, they have a culture going on within the fight team and the fight group um, to keep themselves safe. And they know what level to go at. They know if each other have injuries and they're, they're actually training. They're not there to prove anything against each other. Right. They're there training to get better. And a lot of these people that are dropping in sometimes, not all the time, are are trying to just prove something or they just want to test themselves and see if they can hang. And it's like, you know, that's that's not the that's not what I want. I want people that are coming in to, you know, be part of the community and make each other better. Like if somebody comes in and visits and they're just like, hey, I just want to do class and uh, share some knowledge and help get everybody better. You know, that's, that's the type of person I want to come and visit. <laughs> Not the person that comes in. It's like, Hey, can I come in and start sparring with these guys today? And it's like, I don't even know you. No way, man. <laughs> right. You know, you recently posted a question on your Facebook, um, asking what is the most important submission in jujitsu? Um, and that you can only choose one and why that one. And so I thought we could kind of discuss a little bit about some of the responses that you got. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. So I posted, a question on Facebook because I thought it would be good to talk about it on the podcast and just kind of, you know, go through what everybody's uh, answers were and kind of discuss them. I have a very specific submission that I believe is the most important one, which mm -hmm. we'll kind of get to at the end. Um, and my thoughts on that. Okay. You know, so um, yeah, let's we'll kind of kind of scroll through it here, um, and let's kind of go through everybody's and kind of chat about them. And um, so our first uh, reply was from Lisa. 
uh, and Lisa had a, her answer was arm bars. She said that she felt the most important submission was arm park, arm bar, because you can hit it from a lot of different positions. And um, I kind of wanted more specific than that. So, um, you know, I was asking her what arm bar, um, but she still just kind of felt that arm bars from any positions. I don't think she had a specific one. Mm. Um, you know, so her, her thought and philosophy was trying to, uh, the most important submission is maybe one we can hit from any position. And, and, and I agree with that. Um, sure. you know, uh, a, for sports jitsu and MMA and, uh, grappling and self-defense, you know, having a submission that we can hit from every position, um, it's important, you know, when you're, when you're looking at one you want to work on. Um, but I want to, you know, my, my goal with this is to kind of narrow it down more to like specific ones. What's like, what's if I'm going to teach somebody, you know, one to five submissions, what should they be? Um, I'll kind of jump down this. So, you know, uh, another bill message after that. Um, and he was saying chokes, basically he felt that, you know, chokes were something you can do, um, when you're young all the way until you're older, you know, which is a good point for any submission. You want to, you know, have a submission that hopefully, uh, no matter the limitations of your physical strength that you can still do. Um, I think that's important as well, you know, and, and good aspects for that. And, and, and yeah, and, definitely. I would agree like, with that for sure. Yeah. Um, so we go back down. Some people were asking me, you know, gi or no gi. And again, I was kind of looking for, I didn't want to answer like too much. I'm looking for like just general, you know, general thoughts on it. So another person posted on the, the rear naked choke, the Mana Leon lion killer. Um, and a lot of people commented about the rear naked choke I saw. Yeah. So another person did just because they felt it was a strong choke, you know, and it's a very final choke and it's, it's hard to defend if it's sunk in once I get position and it's there and it's sunk in. Um, that's, that's a very strong choke and we see a lot of MMA victories with it and grappling victories. Um, you know, and we'll get, I believe somebody later on when they were talking about the choke, um, you know, we had a few reasons, but one that it was easy to teach, you know, that you could, you could teach somebody to choke in a day and they'd be able to apply it. Um, I know Marnik was messaging on here also. Um, she likes it cause she can use it to choke out, you know, people that are bigger than her. Right. She can she can beat stronger people with that with that submission um, when it comes to grappling. Um, we'll come down a little bit. We've got uh, Tristan uh, saying the triangle choke. And there's a few other people that messaged about that later on as well. Mm -hmm. uh, so the triangle chokes off of our back. Obviously, we're wrapping the legs, you know, to, to create that triangle position and hit the choke. Uh, another very strong choke that finishes, you know, in MMA and Jiu Jitsu. Um, and it's a great submission from the back. And, uh, you know, it has its pros and cons as everything else. Um, Tyson messaged, um, he was just saying the one they tapped to is the best. And that's, you know, there's, there's some other people that talk about that as well. Um, where they're just like, Hey, the submission that works is the best one. Um, which on a competitive level, definitely, definitely true. And that's what I would think there too, is, you know, there's, there's kind of the difference in this as well as, is like you're saying the sport jujitsu and the self-defense jujitsu. Yeah. So when we train, I, I, I talk to everybody all the time about, we have three different levels of jujitsu, three different types of jujitsu, jujitsu for MMA, jujitsu for sport jujitsu and jujitsu for self-defense. Those are three different things. And we really need to learn, um, all three of them. Right. 
we can get very comfortable in sport jujitsu thinking we're fighting when there's no punches involved or there's not multiple people or we're not starting on the feet or I can't get picked up and slammed on the concrete, right? So we can get very comfortable in sport jujitsu um, where we're losing the self-defense side. And, you know, I talked about this with Grandmaster Baring a lot. You know, we lose, we're losing the self-defense side of jujitsu because the sports side's fun and it's great. And sport jujitsu guys will be able to handle themselves in, you know, 90% of self-defense situations, but not all the time, you know? So we have, I always go through every technique and be like, Hey, I would do this technique in sport jujitsu, but not in MMA. I would do this in MMA, but not in self-defense. Um, and then we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about that later when I talk about, you know, some positioning in the submission, I think is the most important. Um, Brandon Olson, uh, black belt from Hamilton. Um, he listened to guillotine. Um, he didn't really put any reasons for that. Um, you know, one of the things with the guillotine that I do like is it can be finished on the ground and standing. So I think that makes it effective for a few different reasons. Um, you know, you, you don't have to go to your back with it. And it, again, it's, uh, it can be used defensive and offensively. So, um, he didn't put too many reasons for that, but, um, that was, that was his, um, I have another person, uh, put down here, uh, arm bars, someone that prefers the Kimura from guard. Um, they didn't give a huge reason on that. Um, uh, but they just feel that that's the thing they're most successful at. Mm-hmm. Um, so I got another one with the rear naked choke again. This is a common one that comes up. Um, they feel that kids and grown men can get it. If it's sunk in, it's strong for everybody. You know, and that's and that's a good point for that choke is, you know, a child can still get it if they could get to a man's back and get on their back and hit the choke and it would still be it would still be strong. Um, Johnny here was talking about the triangle um, for women and then the rear choke for men. And one of the other female coaches at my gym, Natalie, put this down for the triangle choke for self-defense reasons. Um, the triangle choke can definitely be important for, for women. Um, they might find themselves in an intimate situation where they need to be able to fight and have a strong submission from their back. And that's an option, you know, excellent option from there, you know, so for women and, you know, I didn't really think about that initially for some of my aspects, but for women, if it's a one-on-one situation where it's an intimate situation that it's going too far and they need to stop it, um, the triangle choke is an excellent option and an important one to know for that right? Just to kind of create that distance and be dangerous right, definitely. Uh, from anywhere and to be dangerous from our back. So a lot of this does come down to, you know, what are we using it for? You know, when are we using it? And, um, you know, is it self-defense? Is it MMA? Is it, you know, sport jujitsu? Um, you know, we have a head and arm choke here. It's just because somebody says they like it. <laughs> uh, That's always, it's that, always what you like, right? That's always the good answer. Yeah, that can always be the answer. Um, uh, Trapper on here, message. He says he likes to teach people the guillotine first. Uh, he just feels it's the easiest and most useful. Um, he didn't give specific situations, but again, we had the guillotine earlier. And uh, yeah, strong choke, good for you know some self-defense situations and if someone's taking us to the ground. Um, Brad Wall, he's another one. He's, you know, he says the best one is the one I'm working on, the one I'm learning now. Um, 
so yeah, you know, that's, that's another thing. Like what's the most important submission? Maybe it is the one that you're working on so that you're constantly studying and getting good at that one. And then the next one you work on is the most important. So you can add it to your bag of tools. Uh, Sean Ipsen, he's always got good comments here. Um, the, the solo that stretch, the redneck twister, the boogie, the dragon sleeper, the capitator, <laughs> the snake choke. All right. So we're getting in some catch wrestling and, uh, 10th planet stuff there. <laughs> yeah, definitely. That's, is that Eddie those, those Bravo that like commented? High, high intense, uh, grappling submissions. Mm -hmm. Then Wyatt Daniels put one up. We're not going to comment on his thing. <laughs> There's some people that put some things. They're pretty funny, but we won't put them on the podcast. Um, Shay's got a, a good comment here. He has a little bit more breakdown on, uh, you know, what he thinks for standing submissions, MMA, um, and jujitsu versus different rules. Um, but again, favoring the rear naked choke for sports jujitsu, um, just because of the, the safety of the position, uh, and again, how strong it is and it being pretty final, uh, with, with the scoring, I think is also important, um, for that. Uh, here's another one. Someone's saying the twister, and that's a pretty <laughs> highly advanced move. Hard to get into. Um, Tracy here, rear naked choke. Um, got another one on an arm bar. Um, Seth Karkik has a little bit different one here. He says he, uh, thinks the most important ones are collar chokes, just learning to choke with fabric. Cause that can be good for, uh, hitting chokes from multiple positions. You can use the gi, you can hit it from anywhere. And, um, you know, if people have clothes on, you can translate it to that for self-defense. Um, Rob out of Salt Lake, uh, is talking about rear naked choke or possibly Kimura because of the variations. And again, we've talked about the rear naked choke earlier. Um, and the Kimura is a great one too. It's got a lot of variations to it. And um, we can hit it from a lot of different positions, you know? So right. I kind of like that specific arm bar. Like, what are we talking about? Which arm bar are we talking about? So getting specific on which one is always good. Mm -hmm. uh, Jeffrey, whatever one works in the situation. Yeah, that's that's a good as well. You know, same things a lot of that. The one I'm working on, what works? You know, the one that wins. Gage has a good, another funny comment with us. <laughs> as always, he's, he's good on the good on the interwebs. Um, let's see, David Evans here. Um, again, another one on Camaros, possibly Camaros for law enforcement purposes, easy to control subjects without hurting them. Sure. Um, that's a good point. You know, there's been a lot of, you know, obviously incidents lately of people going like, Hey, you know, can law enforcement choke? Should they choke? And that's, uh, an another one we need to look at. Like, you know, uh, should law enforcement be choking? Should law enforcement get more training, you know, before they're going out and needing to get in physical encounters? You know, so that's that's a good comment there. You know, maybe something that's pulling the chokes away for safety. Um, we have another one here that's guillotine. Someone feels the guillotine's the strongest. Uh, Justin again, rear naked choke. Since anyone can learn it in a few minutes, and again, that's a that's a good point. Justin's uh, Chapowski's uh, great black belt trains at our gym in Bozeman and coaches there. And um, yeah, you know, the rear naked choke is uh, easy to teach, easy to learn. Um, so John Ammon, uh, judo black belt, uh, trains up in Butte. Um, he likes strangles. Um, you know, he likes to be able to do, you know, strangles, gi and no gi. Again, chokes he feels are the, the most important thing um, for him. Um, so yeah, when I was really putting this post, I wanted the concept of like, okay, what is the best submission for, you know, all aspects? And it's hard, there's really no great answer. Um, everybody has good answers on here and the reasons they have it, like the triangle choke for the women, the rear choke, cause it's easy. 
Um, but I've been thinking a lot because um, I've had a, you know, five years ago I was in a car wreck and it kind of changed my ability to be able to roll a lot and, you know, spar as much as I'd like to. So really have a lot of time to think about self-defense and what the best move is. And so my question is, and I'll ask you this and kind of see what you, what your answer is. What submission, if I'm hitting it on the ground, can I get to my feet fastest from? And I don't know if we may have discussed this before, so mm. this might, might give you this. But what submission, if I'm on the ground and I'm hitting it, can I quickly get to my feet after that submission? I would say the straight arm bar. From when you're on your back? When, oh, if you're on your back? So if I'm standing, like say if I did like a hip throw, you know, being able to do like that kind of quick – uh, where you throw your hip forward, hit the elbow. But if I'm on my back, like say in closed guard or a guard position, um, I would say probably like a cross choke. You know, because you're round, you could un- undo your legs, hip out, try to get to your feet that way. Yeah, but- I, yeah, I was more specific on the armbar, I guess. Um, the um, so yeah, I I'm really looking. So one of my thoughts on this for for self defense is. I'm always trying to look at something if there is another person there or someone that's going to jump into the mix. Right. Right. So for me now, one-on-one becomes different, you know? So I think with like these questions, like, so my, what is, what should be my number one submission for a one-on-one situation? Mm -hmm. I think at that point, everyone that's like, whatever works is correct. Right. So like whatever choke I can get one-on-one for a female like this one-on-one rear naked choke. So, but let's look at all of our submissions. If we look at every submission we do in sport jiu-jitsu, every single one that ends up being a submission on the ground or for now, so submission on the ground, what ones can I get to my feet quickly before somebody else jumps into the fray? Hmm. Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, right. So know, wrist locks, you know, if you think if you're starting to go into the, the dark side. <laughs> You know, I'm always on the dark side, man. <laughs> I've been gator roll wrist locking people in class lately. Oh, just my man. friends, just my friends. You're you're making you're making them question their membership. <laughs> just my friends. That's what I'm saying. Like the guys I really like, and we just laugh about it. It's oh. it's, it's funny. It's not like anyway. Um, but uh, you know, so I've been really thinking about okay, how can I get to my quick my feet quickly? Like, what submission is this? Sure. Uh, and what one should I be focusing on the most? Um, obviously I need to be able to get off my back. So I talked about that in jujitsu. Like if it's MMA, I need to try to stay on top. I don't want to go for submissions that take me from the top to the bottom position, right? So straight arm bars from mount. If you're super, super high level BJJ black belt and it's, you know, jujitsu submission and you know, you're going to get it against this kickboxer, then yeah, guys are going to hit that. Um, but in general, I would tell athletes in MMA, stay on top, you know, don't take an arm bar that's going to take you to your back. Right. Right. Um, but if you think about like how fast, like somebody can come in, right? So, you know, we can look at these submissions, like rear naked choke. Am I in a position where I can get to my feet quickly before somebody jumps into the fight? Mm. If they jump in. Yeah, not at all. You're not, you're not, you know, triangle choke. You're definitely not in a position. You have to untangle yourself if this other person starts running into the fight. Mm. So all, all of these submissions that we look at for sport jujitsu, when I start looking at them for self-defense on the side of like, okay, somebody might jump in. Mm. I I've heard this story a lot and only I, I share it. Not that because like people should not be getting in street fights. People should not be trying to test themselves out 
in the world, but people will try to impress me with their street fight stories. And I don't know how many times I've heard people going like, oh yeah, I was on top of this guy, I mounted him and was punching him. And then somebody came in and kicked me in the face and knocked my teeth out. I've probably heard that story at least a dozen times, you know? So then it comes down to one, you know, is Mount even a good position if somebody's going to run in? Mm. Like, where should I be? So, you know, I've thought about this a lot. Um, I really feel that like uh, Neon Stomach and then mm. North South Kimura, the, the Kimura sure. in general, but North South Kimura is the one submission that I can hold. And this goes back, I think it was Dave that was talking about police control, right? Mm. And maybe he had this in mind. But specifically for me, that North South Kimura, mm. um, because I can stand up quickly from there, I can let it go and get back to my feet. So if I'm working on that and I see his friend coming up to me, I can let go of the Kimura and stand up and engage with the person that's running at me. Mm. Um, so I feel that for MMA, self-defense, you know, sport jujitsu, like a combination of everything, that the Kimura is the most important submission. Mm. You know, there, there are questions about people asking like, hey, it needs to be something everybody can do. And I, and I feel the Kimura might not be as quick to learn. You know, you might not learn it as quickly as the rear naked choke. Um, but I think that's one that we need to focus on for control, right? Where I'm up, where I can control both hands potentially, sure. right? If I'm in like the triangle position with my legs, they yep. can't grab any weapons out of their pockets. Um, and again, I can stand quickly from that, right? I don't have to to stay on it that much. And I can just control with it. I don't have to break the arm. That's I don't true. have to submit them. I can control. And if you work like the Kimura Trap series, you can hit the Kimura from everywhere. So people that had that question, okay, I need something that I can hit from everywhere. I can literally hit the Kimura from everywhere in sport jiu-jitsu or MMA. Like bottom side control, I can hit the Kimura. Yep. I can hit the Kimura if somebody has my back, right? Mm -hmm. uh, yep. If we yep. know it correctly. The Kimura for self-defense is a great break, break for standing, right? Mm -hmm. The Diaz brothers would use it a lot. Someone has their back against the cage, they go for the Kimura, and then they try to hit the sweep from there, right? We can pull out from – we can use it for that as well. Yeah. Um, and uh, – but for the fact that I can get to my feet quickly from it. And even the arm bar you were talking about earlier that we do with Grandmaster a lot where we throw and we do that standing arm bar and we mm. kind of we kind of hit it on the hip. Right. I I go for that and then I immediately transition to the Kimura from north-south now. Mm. So I'm doing both because like I want to make sure I have enough control in case I miss the first one. Sure, which, which right. is very possible. Yeah, which is very possible. But the Kimura, like I know I can finish it. I know I can get there. And if I'm staying aware, I know I can let go of it and stand up to my feet with the least amount of entanglement possible. There's always a chance that person tries to grab my leg as I stand up, but I am in a standing position where I could hit down, you know, I'm at least getting back up to my feet and they only have my ankle or almost every other submission. Um, I'm entangled some way or right. it just takes me too long to get up. Right. And so we'll we'll post you know on the podcast for people that listen to this on uh uh that answer the questions and we'll kind of get some feedback and kind of get people's thoughts but sure you know i make it a goal to um at least one training session like to look for that north south kimura and then try to finish it you know in in my rolling session that night because i think it's important and i need to make sure that you know you're always working on it and you're always looking for it um so for me um, the Kimura is the most important, um, but in general, like trying to hit it from the north-south position for self-defense where I can stand up again. 
Mm. I have to get in position to be able to hit it. So if it's self-defense and I'm on my back, I still might have to sweep the person and get to the position to be able to do it. But I don't want to be entangled, right? There's some cool leg locks and things that we work on these days that people are doing. But man, if if I go to a honey hole for an inverted heel hook and somebody runs in, like, dude, you have a lot of yeah. you're, you have a lot to unwind before you can get to your feet if there's somebody else there, right? Yeah, that's a, a great factor in this. Is the the speed of your submission? You know. Yeah. So that's so that's one of the things I've been trying to figure out. You know, just in jujitsu in general, is like, okay, if I were to hit a straight arm bar and this person falls, like what's the quickest way to my feet, right? Mm. If I were to get a triangle and this person passes out, you know, outside of tech lifting, is there is there a faster way to my feet? You know, like the head and arm choke, like is great, like great for jujitsu and great for MMA, right? But if I had an arm choke and I'm, my face is in the ground and I can't see anything and I'm around them and somebody can jump on the back of my head, mm. it's not the best thing necessarily for self-defense. If it's not a one-on-one -on -one situation, any one-on-one -on -one situation is really going to be preference mm. uh, of what you like and, you know, what works at that time. But I was trying to find something that, you know, one works in all three aspects. One works in a self-defense situation with multiple people as well, if I have to be quick. Um, one that can be used to break or just control. Like Kimura is also like a very good control position um, when you work on that as even just being able to take somebody to handcuff or um, just to control them. We talk about that a lot with self-defense lately in our classes is, you know, not escalating the violence, right? So if I get in a situation or a fight and I start hitting somebody, hmm. that escalates the violence. Like they're going to start hitting back. Things are going to start getting out of hand potentially, right? Right. So if you, let's say just example, you're at a party, there's a drunk person, whether you know them or not, doesn't matter, but you get in an encounter and you end up taking this person to the ground and getting on top of them. If you start hitting this person, there's a high chance that people are going to jump in and either like try to kick you off or push you off or throw you off. If you get on top of this drunk person, and again, we know this is a potential one-on-one -on -one situation, and you just maintain the mountain and hold the person down and try to de-escalate them verbally, hopefully, you know, their friends are just going to laugh at their drunk buddy for being, you know, mm -hmm. um, you know, so that's one thing with the, that Kimura, I can move, I can use it to hold, um, I can use it as a control position. I don't have to hurt anybody yet. Um, so that's one thing I've been thinking about a lot. So anyway, for me, yeah. that's, that's my thing because I can, I can stand with it. I can hit it from everywhere. Um, I can use it for self-defense from various spots. Um, and everybody's answers are correct. So that's, you know, one thing like jujitsu sure. is an art, like all individual. Um, but that's one thing I've really been thinking about a lot, you know, um, like, okay, I've got somebody in something like, how quick can I get up? Um, can I let go of it fast and get to my feet quickly? and get it and run or leave. Sure. You know what I mean? Like I might not want to stay in this environment where I had to use this technique at all, mm -hmm. you know? So yeah. anyway, that's, those are my thoughts on that. No, definitely. And you make great points about, you know, being able to unwind quickly, um, staying alert to anybody else, you know, like using the head and arm position from like side control, you know, your, your forehead's in the dirt. <laughs> There's no way you're going to see what's going on. So, um, yeah, you also mentioned choke and I, I do yeah. that one in sport grappling for sure. Mm hmm. You have a very good head and arm choke, by the way. Um, my my head and arm choke from side control got significantly better after you taught it to me. So just oh, so good. you know, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I would always miss the shoulder on the neck. You know, it was it's difficult to, you know, position their shoulder deep into their into their neck to where it's choking them. I always had a hard time with that. But um, you know, just kind of getting low, using kind of the back of your head. 
Um, anyhow, but so, so yeah. thank you for that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, and you also mentioned neon belly as a good control position. Um, as we yeah. were talking, I was kind of thinking about that because that's a good as far as a position, you're not necessarily in a submission, but you are in, you're not all the way to mount, you know, because sometimes mount can get funny as well, um, even if you're on top. But, you know, that neon belly position, you could put a lot of pressure. You're, it's very easy to stand up from there as well um, and stay very alert, like you're saying. Yeah, so there's been, it's, I mean, it's, it's a hard balance, right? So again, um, you know, if weapons are involved, hearing stories of people, getting in fights and I think it was like three years ago. I can't remember the time, but there was a collegiate wrestler was in California. He took somebody down and mounted him and was hitting him and beating him up. And this guy pulled a knife out and just started shanking him in the side. And then the wrestler like oh. let out right there. Um, so having hand control, and if you talk to bouncers about this too, it's important. Like if we forget to grab sure. one hand, um, one of the guys that trains at our gym, uh, he was a bouncer and, you know, he was restraining somebody, but didn't have both hands. And the guy grabbed a bottle and smashed it on his head. Um, I think that was actually a pint glass, not a bottle. Um, and he had to get a bunch of stitches and it was not a good situation, you know, so having control of, uh, both hands in a spot where I can do that is always important, which we already work on in jujitsu, you know, having our grips control, controlling our opponent's hands, but that goes beyond like controlling it to stop them from submissions but just being able to grab something out of their pocket everybody has that guy that's takes their knife out every once in a while just so they can show you how fast they can get their knife out and have the blade out right there's always somebody that does that and it's like man like everybody's carrying knives and some of these people can pull it out that fast um so i like neon stomach trying to control the wrists while i'm there and even that's not easy right because it's a balanced position Mm -hmm. but like if if they were on their back and i'm holding them and they start grabbing for something like i can stand up and run i don't have to stay there you know that's what's good about that position is like i can decide if i need to keep engaging or not or most of the time right there's always a chance they get a hold of my leg and they're holding me there but i'm gonna have an easier out to disengage from this fight if it is self-defense um and move from there and it can go into setting up the Kimura. I mean, I'll try to hit that Kimura from a lot of different positions, um, for any of my escapes or from my sweeps, like just moving there and get used to being comfortable there. Well, Brian, in, uh, in closing here, um, I know you're, you're a busy man and I appreciate your, your time with us today. Yeah. Um, But in closing, probably the most important question we ask anyone on the podcast is what would be, or what is your fight walkout song? My fight walkout song, man, we always play this game at the gym and try to get people to like pick like the best thing. Like we had one of our guys, we had him like walk out to It's Raining Men with an umbrella. Um, that was <laughs> Cole Gebhardt for a fight in Billings. Um, so we're always trying to figure out the most obscure, like crazy thing to walk out to. Um, man, so I haven't been I haven't been thinking about it lately. I was trying to think what I heard the other day. Um, man, just just anything that's fun um that the crowd can sing to i think is is good also if you go with something simple mm. that that everybody's knows um and so now now i'm on the spot for this um you know like i like like bc boy sabotage is good that's always a good one to have people walk out to because i have to pick these songs all the time when, when fighters don't give mm-hmm. me their music and i'm like i have like a track of like a few different songs i'm like all right these ones we're just gonna plug this one in <laughs> you know <laughs> This one will work. We'll plug it in. Nothing nothing too crazy. You should have some, like, really funny ones if fighters don't give you fight, fight, their fight walkout song. Like, yeah. And they'll be like, you should have given me something, man. <laughs> I don't want to kill the vibe too much. But, yeah, it's always good. There's 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 different songs for sure. 
anything that's censored, we just got to make sure that we're right. keeping that going with, with yeah. some of that stuff. But family, yeah, family friendly. Yeah, absolutely. Good. Well, Brian, thank you so much for uh, joining us today and for sharing your wisdom and experiences with us. Um, man, it's just really, really grateful, and we um, certainly appreciate it. Awesome, Zach. Thank you for uh, having me on, and glad things are going good up there for you guys in Butte. And hopefully, within the year, everybody will be able to train together again. <laughs> yeah, that'd be good. Oh, and uh, last question: Any new flavors coming to your uh, ingredient lineup for Wingredient? Yeah, man, we're gonna we're working on a huckleberry wing sauce, um, so that should be within the next couple months. We'll have our huckleberry wing sauce flavor out, and hopefully get it to some restaurants. One of the uh, um, one of my friends might be opening up a, a spot there in Butte, oh. and they do a lot of our wing sauces. So when that cool. happens, I'll let you know. Oh man, yeah, that'd be that'd be great. I'll spend all my time there. <laughs> <laughs> I will. I will. I will let you know if it happens. All right, brother. Well, thank you again, and uh, we'll talk with you soon. Awesome, man. Have a good one. From our family to yours, Family Roots Restaurant in the heart of Uptown Butte offers quality food from scratch at affordable prices. With prime ribs starting at 5 p.m. every Friday and Saturday and desserts like cheesecake, pies, cakes, and gluten-free options, there is certainly something at Family Roots to satisfy your cravings. Dine-in, pickup, curbside, and delivery available Wednesday through Sunday. Check out their Facebook page at The Family Roots to stay up-to-date on any specials, desserts, and homemade soups. Family Roots Restaurant. Can he get the submission? He's got it. He can submit. My submission. That's it. So for this segment, we're going to go over some amazing submissions submitted. Submissions submitted by some of our Patreons. So first we have our Patreon, Louis Lopez, and he asks, Zach, given the current political climate, how excited are you for the release of the PS5? So, good question. You and I are very into gaming. We love gaming. We love our PlayStations. And, you know, given the current political climate, like he says, are we excited for the PS5? I would be just as excited for the PS5 if there were no such thing as elections. <laughs> you know, of course, I mean, it doesn't really impact my my escape of gaming or, you know what I mean, like... I'm excited regardless. And what's funny is I've let myself not get overexcited for this launch. Um, you were able to nail a PS5 pre-order the day of the reveal, right? You just kind of waltzed on into GameStop. and It was Holy Spirit empowered. And something that Sony was doing is sending emails out to their like beloved PlayStation Network uh, accounts. And you happen to use the one word of those. beloved. <laughs> if anybody should have got one, okay, I should have got one. But okay, I never I've did. only owned a, a PlayStation for two years. I've had one since PS1. <laughs> I've had each console. Like, anyways, not that I'm upset about it. I'm over it, kind of. Yeah. But anyhow, you got an email too. And so I was like, bro, please take my credit card information, which you did. And so. Thank you. Because of you, I have a PS5 coming. You have a PS5 coming. And I was super stoked for the PS4, which was about eight years ago now or something. I don't remember. 2012-ish. And I was, like, so excited about that one. I'm just as excited, but I'm, like, 
I think it's going to be even better because I'm not letting myself get overly like hyped about it. Um, kind of like when you know a good movie's coming out and you know you want to watch it so you don't watch any previews. And then you, you watch the movie and you're like, that was so unexpected and I can't believe this person made that cameo. And Dude, yeah, kind of like Avengers Endgame. You know, I watched, I watched a bunch of the trailers at the beginning, but then stopped, you know. And I think even if you did watch all the trailers, the movie was so full of surprises, you wouldn't have been able to catch on anyways. But I totally get what you're saying. I think the PS5 is so cool for newer PlayStation users like myself that because I've really been into Nintendo and Xbox growing up as a kid and even computer games. But PlayStation has been more something I've explored in my adult life, to be honest. But now with all the exclusives coming to PS5 for free, I get to like explore all that stuff that I didn't get to. Yeah, which is really cool. I think it's called the PlayStation Plus game collection playstation plus beloved beloved (laughs) so yeah either way you're excited i'm excited does the the current politics have anything to do with influencing how excited you are um only if the libertarian party endorsed playstation or vice versa then i might be more excited (laughs) but other than that no uh, thank you for your question, Louis. Uh, Jake Duran wrote in and said, I was wondering what are some family traditions you guys have now that the holidays are coming and all, and what is your favorite holiday? Also, to kind of piggyback off Louis's question, he goes, what PS5 game are you most excited about? So you have your own family. You have a baby, another baby on the way. Um, now that the holidays are coming around, what family traditions may you have or may you have had before you had sure. family? So growing up, uh, it was just mainly my mom and I, and we really weren't that close, but there were a few things that we did um, on specific holidays every year that I'll always remember. Um, specifically St. Patrick's Day. I don't know why, but my mom loved to go all out. Like she'd wake me up and make uh, green eggs and ham. And like, we'd always wear green and dress up. And uh, we'd always have like traditional Irish dinner. But my favorite holiday has got to be Thanksgiving because it's just like, it's like the holiday where I don't have any responsibilities. Like I don't have to buy anybody gifts. I just get to show up. I get to pig out eat plus the lions always play on thanksgiving so i get to watch a lions game and just yeah it's just a good time you know plus there's also the part about being thankful and all that jazz too which is pretty cool but and all that jazz how about now what are some family traditions you may have with your current family so we like to do uh movie marathons every fall so generally in October, we watched all the Harry Potter movies. We've done that for the past three years. So this year we kind of unintentionally decided to watch all the Marvel Cinematic Universe movies. So wow. that's been really cool to do through the fall. And we just really like this season in general. It's great. It's flannel season, man. It's just a good time. Um, I know every year, specifically on Thanksgiving, uh, at night we watch... Um, White Christmas, the classic movie. And then that's kind of like, for me, like we can start listening to Christmas music and like put up decorations and everything 
on Thanksgiving weekend? You know, for my family and I, we kind of just do normal stuff, I feel. Was that not normal stuff? Oh, not not to compare. I wasn't saying that. Like, we just do normal stuff. Like, <laughs> no. We don't. We don't like watch movies. What what are you weird? No, I mean like we just kind of do the present thing. Um, you know, I'm talking Christmas right now. Like, do you do like gift exchanges? Yeah, yeah. So like, we have quite a big family. You know, I have a lot of uncles and cousins and stuff. Um, as they've moved away, our number of presents that we buy are a little less and less. But so we do like that thing. Um. But, you know, like singing Christmas carols, like, I don't know, stuff like that is where my mind goes with traditions. Sure. Um, You know, but I mean, what we do each year is the same. Like, so we'll do like presents in the morning here. Then my sister and niece will come over. We'll do presents. Then we all go to my grandma's house, do presents there. And then recently we've started started to do dinner here at our house rather than at my grandma's because it's gotten a little difficult for her to cook. So that's been kind of a new thing that we've done, but uh, we have Thanksgiving dinner on Christmas Day. So we have Thanksgiving dinner on Thanksgiving and the same exact dinner on Christmas oh, Day. You keep the leftovers that long? It's kind of <laughs> weird. So, side story: I was in a wedding. You don't. You weren't there, so it's not <laughs> that way. It's no. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, it was a different wedding, but they had this meat. That was there, okay? Uh, it was like, like, it was like pulled pork sandwiches, I think. And so they had the pulled pork there, and then like a couple weeks later at a, at a church get-together, it was the same meat. Then like a week later, it was on like a Wednesday <laughs> night at the church, and it was the same meat again. And I was so ashamed. <laughs> And was it a, a coincidence? No. Then they had like two tubs of it left over that they were giving out. You know how on Wednesday night when there's leftovers? They, you didn't. No, I didn't take any of it. Oh, no God. I stopped eating it about halfway through the second sandwich at the second halfway, get together. Halfway through the wedding. <laughs> so our Thanksgiving dinner is not leftover for Christmas. That's what I mean. <laughs> So I have, I must say, I've been to your house around Christmas time, and you guys go all out on presents. Yeah, like, like you freaking get it. Yeah, we do. Like we, we just love Christmas, dude. We, like Christmas is totally my favorite for sure. It's oh, such a yeah. time to just love each other, give give each other presents. You, I mean, you can literally buy for Christmas all year. You know, mm-hmm. um, I don't know. My my second favorite holiday would probably be I'd say Thanksgiving is close but um you know Columbus Day is up there and no, I'm just kidding we just had <laughs> I don't know 4th of July is kind of fun especially in this town yeah but um that's part A of Jake's question part B is we should what, make a holiday you know that's Jake's totally actually you. BJJ nickname is holiday oh yeah yeah, that's right. Do you want we to should why? make a holiday in his in his uh, honor. Jake, right now, if, if he's listening to this, he's like, "Don't you dare tell the story." <laughs> well, to interrupt you from embarrassing our Patreon. Yeah, yeah, our our beloved Patreon. I have an amazing holiday story for Jake. Like I said, like my mom and I were not super close. Mm-hmm. Well, one year when I was dating Abby, I actually came 
to Butte for the holidays and just hung out. And uh, I needed a place to stay. So Jake, let me stay at his house with his parents' permission, of course. And um, I didn't have any plans for Christmas, like actual Christmas day. And so Jake literally went around his house and wrapped up a lot of his nice things, like not just crap, but actual like nice presents. And then, had them under the tree so that I had something to open on Christmas day. It was the coolest mm, thing ever. Yeah. So nice. He and that's why Christmas he's named well. holiday. <laughs> oh, that's why. Okay. <laughs> I thought it was because. <laughs> no. Oh, <laughs> uh, he also asked what PS five game are you most excited about? Um, I'm not sure if there's one game in particular I'm most excited about, to be honest um there were a lot of cool games at the release uh, i am really excited for the new call of duty zombies just because that's it's gonna hit home for sure right. when i get to play that again Classic. but like i said just all of the all of the playstation exclusive well not all but a lot of them that i haven't done i'm just so pumped that i get to play them yeah yeah that that ps plus collection is so big uh my probably most anticipated game is the new ratchet and clank game um, into the no, it's not into the multiverse. That's Doctor Strange. It's the unknown, something, something like that. Oh, Anna and it. Elsa. Is that Frozen? <laughs> yeah, I listen, that that, I listen to that soundtrack every day, dude. My daughter goes crazy. She sings the words, bro, and she's one and a half. Oh, wow. So yeah, I'd have to say that, and also the Miles Morales Spider Man game. Mm, that's uh, definitely really up cool. there for me. Um, yeah, I mean, all of them look really good, but I'm I'm trying to just pick a few because I have this recent habit of buying too many games and then not finishing them. So I'm trying to just, like keep it minimal, you know. I'm the same way. Our final submission of the week comes from Isaiah Rodriguez. He asks, "What's your favorite thing about Cross Choke and why? Is it hanging out with your friend?" and co-host or preaching the gospel or maybe something else so dakota i'll let you kind of answer this first what is your favorite thing about cross choke my favorite thing about cross choke um i have two absolute favorite things i love um first i love that it's an outlet for you and i to just be creative and and to make something that glorifies god but also like that we get to use our gifts and abilities and talents and to really show them um, on something significant and then secondly i love that it's an impactful way that's gonna last forever well not forever but pretty close to forever in a way where like my kids will grow up and they'll be able to listen to these podcasts and be like this is how my dad was when he was a goofy 23 year old learning how to podcast and moving to this strange city and i just think that's really cool yeah that is cool it's kind of an archive of your history i guess yeah because i'm not really into journaling i know a lot of people are especially christians i wish i was but i will get a journal i'll fill out two pages and then i'll forget about it forever but this is like a true way for like me to be in something documented Hmm. that's cool i never would have thought of it in that way um yeah, definitely, and I, I would say I agree with that. that. That's super cool. I don't really think of my kids because I don't even have a girlfriend, but you know what I mean? Um, Your dog will grow up listening. <laughs> I just put a speaker in his kennel. Like, here you go. Um, you know, for me, I think 
my favorite part about cross choke is definitely the team aspect between you and I being able to convey uh, truths around subjects and kind of your opinions on it, my opinions on it. And I love the content that is created between that in this idea of us completing our mission in ministry, but also kind of our niche in what TFL is and kind of reaching um, the BJJ community, the mixed martial arts community with a kind of contextualized message of the gospel. Like, why does it matter to a BJJ guy to talk about Jesus? Um, You know, just the truth that we can bring to the table together. And so I absolutely love that aspect of this. And then recently with season three, how we kind of hopped onto Patreon and are giving kind of a different skew on podcasting. And um, you get to kind of share your heart with Crossroad Plus. I do as well. And then Cross Punch, which we'll record soon. Um, All that kind of together is just a great way, a great outlet. Again, like kind of like you said, is just to be creative. So like that's like super, super fun. And also the listener engagement that we've had too. Um, you know, the audience and them kind of giving feedback is super fun. And so, you know, by no means are we experts and I still feel like we're barely getting the hang of these kind of things, but <laughs> it's really fun. Like most of all, it's really fun. Like I just yeah, absolutely it love is. it. It is. It's just fun. You're right. So remember you can give a submission of the week at patreon.com slash TFL ministries and we will feature it on our show. That's what's going on. Adventure Combat Enterprises and Wimp to Warrior present Fight Night at Flathead County Fairgrounds Trade Center Building. Saturday, November 7th. Doors open at 6 p.m. Fights start at 7. Cost $25 in advance, $30 at the door. Tickets and VIP tables available at Straight Blast Gym, Montana, 34th Street East in Kalispell, 406-752-7244. And when you look into it, you got to look into it. Look uh, into it. I'm when you look into, into it. it. So something this week that we want you to look into is actually a recommendation that uh, one of our Patreon listeners, Jake Duran, gave to me that I've dove super deep into. Um, it is a podcast called Southside Rabbi. It is uh, with KB and Amin Hudson. I specifically really enjoyed the season two, episode two, episode conspiracy theories. I love the way these two guys flow and and speak. And KB is actually a really renowned Christian rapper. We featured a lot of his music on um, our podcast. And if you really like his music and you want to know more about what he thinks theologically, as well as his friend, um, Amin, listen to this podcast and you will get a great idea of that. First Timothy 6.12, fight the good fight for the true faith. Hold tightly to the eternal life to which God has called you, which you have declared so well before many witnesses. Dakota, that's all we got. That's it. Hope everyone has had a great day. <laughs> Hope everyone has had a great day. Everyone has had a great day. That's kind of a flashback to the last couple episodes. <laughs> But uh, truly, we hope you had a great day. We hope that you have learned a lot from this episode. We want to say a special thank you again to Brian Dietz for joining us, sharing his insight, his wisdom. Um, we hope to have him back on the podcast again someday. We will be back for Cross Choke Plus next week. And we want to say a special thank you, Dakota, to our Purple Belt patrons. We have Louie, Indiana Jones, Lopez, 
the Carolina Cyclops, Isaiah Rodriguez. Jacob, the hurdy-gurdy Duran. <laughs> Remember, you could get your name read in the credits of each and every episode by joining us at our Purple Belt level on Patreon.com, and we will catch you next time. Next time. Thank you so much for listening to Season 3 of Cross Choke. It was a blast creating this episode, and we hope you enjoyed listening. Feel free to follow Zach at Andobute and myself at South for a day. Have a phenomenal day, and join us next time on Cross Choke. Dang it, I, hit the, I forgot to hit record. <laughs> I'm kidding. Wouldn't that be horrible? I wouldn't be too disappointed because I just have fun doing yeah, this yeah. with you. I don't, even, I don't even remember what we talked about. <laughs> I just remember it was a good time and fun was had by all. That's right. First Timothy. <laughs> yeah. You ever like jump off a cliff into some water and then you're like, oh crap, should I have done that? That was that feeling right then. Hmm. No, I've never really done that. Oh, have you ever jumped off a cliff into water? Um, if that little pond by Missoula counts. This episode was brought to you by Next Generation Services, proudly serving Butte, Montana since 2017. Visit them at ButteLandscapers.com. <laughs>